Is this the one where we cry? Yes, but also Natalie Maines is here. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> You guys, this is part two of our coverage of West of Memphis. Mm-hmm. You can also enjoy our interview with Damien Eccles right now. It's released on the same day as this episode. Yep. But if you haven't heard our episode one, our first part of our coverage of this, go listen to that first if you want. Yeah, and also just a reminder, the 19th is the 10-year anniversary of their release. Of the 19th August. of August. August oh, my God. That's why we're doing it in these two weeks. And I yeah. explain why we decided to do this now because it's really important. And yeah. I'm getting over my anxiety. My chest feels tight. <laughs> I don't know anybody else, but it's going to be fun. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon over, I don't know, 200 full ad-free bonus. Can you believe 200 full bonus episodes? I think someone posted, this is going to be weeks after the fact, but we're definitely like 250 because today in July, someone posted that we have 220. You guys, you could binge that. It would take you like a month to, if you did nothing but listen to our episodes on the Patreon. And let me tell you, when you sign up, you get them all immediately. You get them all right away. We're talking <laughs> Tiger King, Don't F With Cats, Night Stalker, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Serial Season 1. Heaven's Gate, Murder Among the Mormons. This is a robbery. Oh, Gacy. Yes. Preppy murder. Oh, God. The Jinx. Lorena. Lacey Peterson. Staircase. The Menendez brothers. Yeah. I mean, there's so much there. Ad-free versions of these episodes. Um, Also, join our Facebook group, you guys. The True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Yep. It's where it's all going down. Girl. I mean, it's a party. I know. I'm not, I mean, not to be weird about it, but it's a party. <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? Previously on West of Memphis. (laughs) (laughs) This is the hardest previously on I've ever had to do. Uh, Peter Jackson took his Lord of the Rings money and tested a hair we found in a ligature, and it belongs to one of the stepfathers. His name is Terry Hobbs. Right, so these three men have been wrongfully convicted of this murder. We're trying to get them out of jail, you guys. It ended, last episode ended with holy fuck from one of the lawyers, which is, (laughs) and the thing is, remember, they got this DNA sample without Terry Hobbs knowing, and it's just like because Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson want to do it. It's not because the court is saying it, right? Right, right. So the Rachel, the PI, calls in Terry Hobbs, and they're like, The DNA that was found on that hair doesn't match Damien or Jason or Jesse. So it's somebody else's DNA. Yeah, but who's? Tell me. Yes, it is. They basically call him into Rachel's office. Yes. Because the point is, like, we stole these cigarette butts with the DNA on it. That's not legally binding. So even though we know your DNA was on one of the boys at the crime scene, they want to, like, get his DNA either from him, like, like, like he's either going to give it to them, or if they can get him on video drinking something, or sure. that they get the DNA from, maybe that will work. But none of this happens. Because they tell him, girl, the hair belongs to you. Right. Which is, then, of course, no one's going to touch anything. Right. <laughs> but they're like, it's yours. He's not breathing. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> That'll be the day. <laughs> so they're like, it's yours. And he's like, no, it's not. And they're yeah. like, yes, it is. And he's like, but it's not. And they're like, but it is. And so now we meet, oh, this is fucking brutal. We meet this young woman, Amanda. She's Stevie's sister and Terry's daughter. So Terry and Pam had a daughter, and it's Amanda. And she's really struggling. She's like 19 or 20. She's 21, and uh, she's really not well. My heart breaks for right. and I goes mean, this out poor to young her. young woman. She's talking to a therapist, right. and his name is Robert Meeks, and we see him, and she's saying, like, I've abused drugs for many years, and I'm only 21, and I feel like it's because I've, I'm trying to hide, you know, I did it to suppress something, to cover something up. 
Amanda has kids and they live with Pam and Pam won't let her see the kids because she's too wild and Amanda's really going through it but she basically is saying like I'm suppressing something and I I need to figure out what that is. So yeah put a pin in Amanda and we will get back to her in a little bit. Yeah and so now this this whole thing about DNA even though it's unofficial it's all over the news. (laughs) Six o'clock news. There's this weird interview where Terry Hobbs is being interviewed by a reporter who's asking Terry questions and this man sitting with him is answering we don't know if it's his lawyer or not. It is his lawyer. It is his lawyer. Is that who it is? Yes. I had that same note because Terry's just sitting there sulking. Right. And so the lawyer and I get it like we're we're not like oh my god why is the lawyer answering for him like we know that's what they do but he's also answering as Terry. Mr. Hobbs do you feel like that the attorneys are accusing you of this crime? The answer to that would be no. Is it possible Mr. Hobbs that that was your hair? Sure. It was his son, Stephen Branch, who was murdered, and he's had to deal with this for the last 15 years. Talk about no soul. My God, that's the sulk on him. Yeah, and also Erin Moriarty is here. She is. She's a journalist. She's always been in support of the West Memphis 3. Oh, has she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she's got a lot to say, too. And, you know, we're starting to, like, revisit the story, like, his story of that night. Terry Hobbs' story. Terry Hobbs' story. And, you know, she's the one who points out, like, you know, Stevie was supposed to be home by 4.30. Terry drove Steve's mother to work and then didn't see the kid for five hours and never called Pam to let her know that her son never came home. Yeah, he tells her at like 9.15 when he picks her up from work, oh hey, I haven't seen the kid in a while. Yeah. So, because people are starting to look into Terry Hobbs, John Douglas is like, well, he would have had to have created an alibi for himself for that night. And so, Peter Jackson is like, we studied his movements that night. He had spent some period of time on the evening of May the 5th in the house of David Jacoby, who was a friend of his. And I asked David, I said, would you go help me? He was with me probably Two or three o'clock in the morning, May 6th. We studied his movements that night. Oh, my God. Peter Jackson's now an expert at, like, movement studying. He's just saying terms that he heard John Douglas say once or twice. I want to know that Peter Jackson was, like, in a dark coat and, like, a dark hat and following Terry Hobbs around. Oh, my God. With a big magnifying glass. Totally. And Fran's like, Peter, we got to we gotta get Itty Vida on the phone. Itty Vida. So we learn about this guy, David Jacoby. Jesus. I mean, you guys, get, get ready. David Jacoby is also going through it. But David Jacoby, remember when when John Douglas went to John Mark Byer's house and John Mark Byer's like threw the door in his face? Yeah. David Jacoby's like, I'm sorry, how much DNA do you need, John Douglas? And voluntarily <laughs> gives like anything that he's like, 30 pubes? How about 50? <laughs> Roots and 100. <laughs> Whatever you need. How many pubes do you want, John Douglas? How, I mean, totally. give me a number. You want to pluck them yourself with the or should I? How do we do this? I'm right as he's unzipping. I'm right here. <laughs> Whatever you need, John Douglas. Yeah, he definitely did not do this because they found a hair and it's consistent with David Jacoby. That's that's the point. And like this is a little confusing, but like what we know, what we're gonna find out is that Terry Hobbs had been with David Jacoby like that whole night. What they were doing is in dispute. Mm-hmm. Terry Hobbs says he was searching for his kid. David Jacoby will get more into this in minutes. Like we were playing guitar at my house. Yeah, he was not looking for his missing kid, but they find a hair of David Jacoby's at the murder site basically, which is like very scary for him. Like, why would my DNA be there? Probably because it was on Terry Hobbs. Right, like they call it secondary transfer. Exactly. Which happens all the time, Nobody right? thinks that David Jacoby was involved in this murder. The guy is trembling like a leaf the whole time we see him. <laughs> but he's the one who can really fill us in on what Terry Hobbs really was doing that night. And today, like on the phone with Peter Jackson and or Eddie Vetta, right. Pam Hobbs, yeah. Stevie's mother, is like, I wasn't even aware that he went to David Jacoby. According to Terry, he was 
walking the streets and searching the whole night. So that was news to me when I found out. Wait, I'm sorry. Terry was with David Jacoby because this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Wait, Terry's story to everybody was I dropped Pam off at work. I came home and Stevie wasn't there and I spent all night searching for him. Until I went to pick up Pam and didn't pick up a goddamn phone and call her. Exactly. And the cops are like, well, we don't give a shit. Terry wasn't a suspect then. He's not one now. How dare you bother us? We're tired. Right. So all of this new DNA evidence that they've collected. Remember there was like all they tested like 80 of those things that the boys all wanted to test. Pages and pages and pages. And all of these things that were found at the crime scene, none of there was no DNA of the boys anywhere at the crime scene, anywhere at all. They present all of this evidence to Judge Burnett, who was the original judge who oversaw the trial. And the whole idea is like, will this be enough for him to grant them a new trial? And you'd think like, new science. It's been years. Right. Lord of the Rings money. Like, wow, we can actually find the people. And they say like, we get a guy from the Innocence Project, Barry Sheck, who's here to say that like, look, I know it sounds weird that you're going to present new evidence to to the judge that like found them guilty in the first place like why would he reverse himself but the idea of that is that this judge is the one that knows the most about the case right. he should be looking at this in a non-biased way and saying oh this new evidence is interesting and maybe exculpatory maybe they do deserve a new trial I feel like that never actually happens right and like to say it in the most cynical way you could be a hero Judge Burnett exactly you could be the guy who oh my who righted this wrong yeah. and then we see justice but no one like they can't even see that far e- even in the most selfish moments and everyone here involved in the state of Arkansas is selfish. Yes. You could uh, be a hero. Totally. So it's, you know, it's the day of the ruling and basically Judge Burnett looks at all of that exculpatory evidence and is like, mm, this isn't enough. No yeah. new trial for you. Lori's like, he didn't even really look at it. Don't be don't be fooled. He didn't really actually look at it. And he's here today. Judge Burnett is here today. Well, my life would have been a lot simpler if I hadn't been involved in that case, I think. I had to fool with it for 18 years and get, get uh, beaten over the head by folks that were opposed to what uh, happened but I didn't pick and choose I just took what came down the pike people say mean things to him okay and he wants us all to know about it yeah it's been so hard on him I know on him and again Amy what did you say to these people to convince them to like how did that like that's a whole documentary too like how do you get these people who are such garbage to sit there and open their mouths and just say shit they sign releases like and like Fulgham saying I don't know if I should say that and Burnett saying like well no one falsely confesses and then saying like it's been really hard for me how I can't imagine it. <laughs> well, we learned that this guy, Judge Burnett, is going to run for Senate, which everyone loves. Because yeah. if he runs for Senate and wins, he won't be able to work on this case anymore. This case will get turned over to another judge with like a fresh set of eyes. Because I think at this point, everybody knows Burnett's never going to side with Damien and the boys. Right. So now the West Memphis Three supporters are like, well, we have our new our newest gig. We're going to be fundraising <laughs> for Un- Burnett. I mean, they bought billboards and it's it worked. so smart. Did he win? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we're at this fundraising concert with Johnny Depp, who has an accent. And uh, Johnny Depp is reading something that Damien wrote in the most Madonna. Can you read it once before you get on stage? Because you know he didn't know what word. It was a cold read. Totally. Johnny. I can't remember what it's like to walk as a human being anymore. It's been well over 16 years since I've actually walked anywhere. There are times when I've thought, surely someone going to put a stop to this. Oh well, does no good to dwell on it. 
does no good to dwell on it. Whatever. <laughs> We're back with Eddie Vedder. And Eddie is telling us about this letter that he got from Damien about how the thing I like most about time is that it's not real. And this isn't a new, it's a very Buddhist thing. But you know, he says this thing that really spoke to me. He said it. The thing I like most about time is that it's not real. It's all in the head. There's no such thing as the past. It exists only in the memory. There's no such thing as the future. It exists only in our imagination. If our watches were truly accurate, the only thing they would ever say is now. If watches were honest, the only thing they would ever say is now. And he ends up kind of quoting Rent. He's like, there's no such thing as the past. There's no such thing as the future. And he's basically yes. quoting Rent, which, again, this idea is not new. Right. But right. Damien just writes it so beautifully. But it's also like to be on death row and have that perspective. That's in- fucking incredible. Well, that's what people ask me all the time. Like, how is he not angry? Like, he has yeah. every right to be this furious person. And he's not because of this mentality that he had seemingly from the beginning. It's, it's really, it's, it's unbelievable. It's really amazing. Oh my God, Natalie Mays is here! Natalie Mays is here. Everyone pull over. Get Trick story. You weren't supposed to be driving. You know that. I mean, everyone, <laughs> come on. Come on. So she's been super vocal. Like, she's on the steps of the courthouse. Yeah. Like, the chicks had stuff on their website, like, asking for, like, talking about the DNA, asking for money. Yeah. And <laughs> she's here with us, and she's like, One day, I get a phone call from my manager saying that <laughs> Hops is suing me. I didn't say anything about him. I had no intentions of finger pointing at Terry Hobbs. I don't even know that Terry Hobbs did it. The funniest thing happened. <laughs> One day, I was just like being Natalie Maines, uh-huh. being amazing, maybe in the studio with like Rick Rubin, like just doing amazing shit. You guys go listen to our episode on Shut Up and Sing, the story about what happened to the chicks. It's fucking great. Guess what? The chicks listen to the it. The chicks listen to it and they tweeted about it. And they Instagrammed us. I know. Um, And so she was like, out of the clear blue sky, I get a phone call from my manager, and she's like, hey, girl, you're getting sued by Terry Hobbs. Terry fucking Hobbs is suing my Natalie Maines. And Natalie Maines, I love you. Natalie, if you're listening to this, I cannot tell you how much I love you. I love like, you so, so much. much. But she sits here, and she's like, I didn't say a thing about Terry Hobbs. And <laughs> yeah. just like my opinion right. is that he did it. Right. But it's my opinion. <laughs> so while she didn't say outright what I agree with. Right. <laughs> She's like, I don't even fully know he did it. I just put something to millions of people. Right, right. <laughs> and now he's getting all like upset about it. But what's so great about Terry Hobbs suing her is that her legal team can depose him. Like, And like Peter Jackson really spells this out for us. We gave Natalie's attorney to Leslie Davis access to our investigative files on Terry his background, his relationship with Stevie, and it enabled them to basically sit him down and and to finally question him in a way that he had never, ever been questioned about this murder before. We gave all of our boxes of shit to Natalie Maines' incredible fucking lawyers. Natalie, I would love to have a drink with you, but I would also really love to have a drink with your lady lawyer. These lawyers, they are out for blood. They're ravi- They're like salivating yeah. at this piece of shit on the stand. Well, and by the way, he sued Natalie Mates for emotional distress. Right, right. People are like, why would he do that? And somebody, I don't know who it's it- Pam. Somebody says, if you sue Natalie Maines, you are opening up yourself to be questioned. So if you do that, that is definitely going to happen. And Pam is like, you know what? He doesn't give a shit. He no. thinks he can get away with anything. He thought he would get millions and millions of dollars for this. You guys, these lawyers 
eat him alive. It is thrilling. It is. <laughs> it is. It's really thrilling. So they, again, you know, Rachel the PI and yeah. all of this stuff, like all, they, we have all that information now. <laughs> so he was married before Pam. And his first wife says, you know, he beat the hell out of her on a regular basis. Yeah. Bloody and bruised is a term. She yeah. says, I was, I was his a punching, punching bag. bag. Yeah. Terry Hobbs is, again, I would, <laughs> I would shove this thing down his fucking throat. I, my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> You really listened when the lawyer said that Is to that, you. I did listen. But t- like, fucking come for me, Terry Hobbs. I, know. I dare you. Sue me. We'll get Natalie Mays' lawyer on you, girl. The thing is, I have Lori's phone number. Don't. Exactly. She has a lot of phone numbers. <laughs> and she likes me. So then we meet this woman, Mildred French, who that is a perfect name for this person. It really is. And look, she, I don't know where she's from. She's got some kind of English accent. She does, right? Okay, you heard but that too. At some point, she lived next door to Terry Hobbs in whatever shitty little town in he lived 80s. in. It doesn't make any She's like a fancy lady. She's like a real fancy lady. And she's here with us today. And she's here. So Natalie's a lawyer. Han- Natalie, like we're friends, but we are. We are. We know Natalie. Natalie's lawyer hands Terry a statement and he tosses it aside and refuses to read it. And he's like, it don't mean nothing to me. Yeah. And the lawyer is like, bitch. I know. Absolutely. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with? Exactly. Honestly. I'm Natalie Mays. Her, she changed her name to Natalie Mays' you, lawyer. Right. <laughs> TM, My TM, name TM, is TM, Natalie Mays' lawyer. <laughs> and I want you, you have to say the full name. Exactly. <laughs> so Mildred is here and she's like, look, here's what happened. I overheard Terry beating up his wife I heard a baby crying she kind of let out a cry and then I heard the baby I ran next door to Terry's unit and rang the outside bell to Terry Hobbs's residence he said it was none of my business and I said I'm making it my business you do it again I said because I've heard you before then there's this other story. We get these stories almost back to back. It's, this is bananas. Same lady. She's in her own home taking a bath. And I think it was after like she told Terry Hobbs to cut the shit because yeah. like she's onto him. Mildred's like... And I got out of the tub and when I was reaching in to get the towel... Terry Hobbs, who had broken in and somehow gotten upstairs into my bathroom. I didn't see him come into the bathroom. He just grabbed me in, in my breasts. I screamed at Terry loudly. What are you doing in my house? Get out of my house. Get out of my house. Oh, my God. I love how she says that. (laughs) He finally leaves. And, of course, on the stand, he just can't recall. Right. He has no recollection of this incident whatsoever. By the way, this is not how Terry Hobbs thought this suing situation was going to go. I wonder. (laughs) I just don't want to, like, ever talk to him in my entire life. But I truly wonder. What did he think? Like, if he can win millions of dollars, it means that Natalie Maines has millions of dollars to fight him back. Right, exactly. So I just don't know what he thought was going to happen, that he was going to cry about something she wrote on a website and the judge is going to be like, pay that man? Right. (laughs) Like, what is the thought process Let this be a cautionary tale to everybody. So this whole part of the documentary cuts back and forth between the deposition Mm -hmm. of Terry Hobbs and then, like, other people talking about how awful Terry Hobbs was. We learn from Stevie's aunt, Judy. Mm -hmm. This is when Stevie is confiding in her that Terry is beating him Mm -hmm. and beating him with a belt, like belts that are leaving marks on him. And Terry Hobbs is like, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Like, he admits it on the stand. And they're like, you know, he wanted to have Stevie holding his hands in the air. And that's like a really specific detail. And Terry's like, well, yeah, I didn't want him to hit his hands. I just wanted to whip him on his back. I and mean, it's like, whipping how do you... a six-year-old, I cannot, it makes me sick to my stomach. But then we meet Terry's garbage sister. I, Cindy, <laughs> I hate, she is fucking trash. She is such trash. She is a dumpster of a human. <laughs> 
And she's related to Terry, so obviously. But she's like, it was a happy time. I have photos with people smiling. Get off my dick. Like, nothing bad was happening. I hate her. I hate her. And she's like, I can't say I wish he wouldn't have married her. I can now. Back then, I didn't know her enough to say, ew, but I do now. So, ew. So, ew. And she's smoking inside, by the way. And she has such a punchable face. I know. Like, she, know. when she makes the face of, like, ew, it's just like, can you grow the fuck up? Yeah. And then we're back to Stevie's aunt. Mm-hmm. And now we learn that he's telling her stories about how Terry would go into Stevie's room in the middle of the night and sexually abuse him. Yep. Like, make him watch him masturbate. And then, then he also said that the dad was making him do sexual things with his sister. And Amanda. And we're back here. to Amanda. Right. Amanda, the sister who's, like, 21 now. Right. And she is really going through. Attached her to as exhibit one pages from Amanda Hobbs's journal in her handwriting. You know, I think I'm the only 19 year old that can't remember what happened in my life 10 years ago. Was I traumatized as a child that I had to turn to drugs to forget about it? I used to tell my mom my dad messed with me. I honestly don't remember. She said, I used to dream about my dad having sex with me. I can't remember, but I t- I know I told my mom that that's what he was doing. And she's like, he did beat the hell out of me. Like, that that I remember. He beat her with a belt buckle. I like know. it's I, This is the shit that will make me fucking sob. Yeah, and like, he abused Amanda and Stevie, and there are plenty of witnesses that say that. Uh-huh. We're meeting her to show, like, this is the kind of person we're dealing with here. This is what he does. Yeah, and, and Pam, the mom, tells us that two weeks before Stevie was murdered, Stevie went to her. He's eight years old and he goes to his mother and asks her to leave Terry. I know Stevie asked me about two weeks before he was murdered to leave Terry and I asked him why and he said he loves Amanda but he don't love me. And people are saying, like, Terry was jealous of Stevie. He was jealous of the attention. Terry told his own mother, Pam is, like, not paying enough attention to me. She's not being enough of a wife because she's too busy being a A mother. mother. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are we what are we dealing with? And then we learn after the divorce, Pam found Stevie's pocket knife in Terry Hobbs's lockbox, like in the garage or something. Terry left it there. And this is important information because Pam is convinced that Stevie would have had that pocket knife on him when he died. Like he carried it with him at all times. Right. So she's like, he definitely had it with him. And so Terry on this deposition, thanks to Natalie Maines and her <laughs> lawyer, he's like, no, um, I'm the only responsible adult here. Right. The reason I have it is because because it just happened to be the day he got murdered. But I took it for his own safety. So sue me. Right. Basically. But we also learn that Pam, when she finds the pocket knife, does not trust the prosecution. She turns the knife over to the defense. And that proves that Pam Hobbs knows that the West Memphis Three did not kill her son. Exactly. You turn it over to the defense exactly. because you don't trust the state? Right. That, I mean, yeah, it's that's kind everything of, I mean, This is know. where Pam turns. Like, Pam's arc in all of this is yeah. kind of fucking amazing. It's incredible. If you go back to the original Paradise Lost up through west of Memphis, like, you basically get to know this woman for, like, 20 years. I know. And, like, know. you see how everything changes for her. And, like, to see that she was the woman who collapsed on the street yeah. and was screaming and sobbing and was... Is so is still so willing to spend so much time with us and talk to totally. us about this is just like I feel like I could never like yeah. the strength yeah. she has to sit here and take out his little Boy Scout uniform is yeah. like Pam I know she's fucking been through and it to save that Boy Scout uniform for all these years oh my god speaking of
of people who are going through it. Oh David Jacoby. Yeah. So David Jacoby, we're back with David Jacoby. If you remember, David Jacoby is Terry Hobbs's alibi, basically. Yeah. He was with David Jacoby all night. He couldn't have done these murders because he was looking for these boys from the minute Stevie didn't come home. And so David Jacoby is here with us now. And he's a mess. He's a mess. He's a mess because he knows in his gut something's up. And you know who he's talking to about all of it? John goddamn Douglas from the I FBI. <laughs> so I'd be shaking like a leaf too. Totally. I could do, he could be asking me about something I, like two plus two is what? I'd be like yeah. four. I know, I, did right. I do it wrong? Is my Are my arms folded? But the, he's so scared because he's learning that they found his DNA at the fucking crime scene. Right. First time I heard about DNA was the lack of DNA at the crime scene. First time I heard about my DNA, it was just a shock therapy, I think. <laughs> Sleepless nights, you know, going over and over trying to see if there was something you missed or something you heard or... John Douglas is like, girl, calm down. It could easily be secondary transfer. Yeah. No it one could, thinks you were there, girl. Right. It could easily mean that you were with Terry for a time and then Terry went to the, like, or you helped Terry, which John Douglas doesn't think happened. Right. Remember, the day is, Stevie was supposed to be home by 4.30. Around 4, Terry drives the mom to work and then, like, doesn't see her again until 9 when he picks her up. And what he did in that window of time, we don't know. Right. His story is that he's with David Jacoby the whole time, searching the woods, searching everywhere, searching Frantically everywhere. Frantically looking, yeah. but didn't think to pick up a phone to call his wife at work. Right. So Jacoby... Kobe is here to say no. He and his daughter Amanda came to my house at 5.30 and for like over an hour Amanda played games and we sat and played guitar. They played Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison. Because it, it cuts back to the deposition of Terry Hobbs and he's like no we never played guitar. I don't remember that at all. We were looking and searching frantically. And Jacoby's like Pretty Woman Roy Orbison. I handed him my guitar and asked him to play that part of that song again so I could get it down and he, we did that two or three times you know before I finally got it right. So, you know, a little time went by, and uh, he says, well, uh, you know, I need to go look for Stevie. And I said, Terry, let me know. Let me know where you find him. Right, I was trying to learn. He's like, you know that burner. He was like, I was trying to do it. Terry taught me. So yeah. then David Jacoby says, at 6.30, Terry decides to go look for Stevie, who's been missing since 3.30. But also, Jacoby doesn't go with him. Mm -hmm. This is such an important detail. This now means that, like, that Hobbs has a window of time that no, he does not have an alibi for. From 6.30 to 9 o'clock, nobody saw Terry Hobbs. Exactly. So now, Terry is like, I didn't see Stevie or any of the boys at all that day. And we know that that's not true. Right. Because we meet Jamie. Oh my God. Jamie Ballard. I love her. I'm obsessed love with her. Jamie lived three houses down. Yeah. Jamie is like, she t like remembered. Every and it's like, where were these people? It's like the girl who was on the phone with Damien and Jesse being like, I was annoyed at them because they were playing video games. Like talk to these people. But that's the thing. They didn't want to. No. Again, if they really knew that Damien and Jesse and Jason didn't really do it, they didn't want any of these witnesses that could like prove that they didn't do it. Right. So Jamie's like, I saw the three boys on their bikes at like 630. Yeah. Which means the boys just like, they weren't listening to their mom. They wanted to ride their bikes for as long as they wanted to. Right. And that's just what they were doing. Yeah. So Jamie is like, I know what time it was because we went to church every Wednesday at the same time. About 6.30, we came out the door and Stephen was in front on his bike. And Christopher and Michael were running behind him. And they zoomed out real fast. And I saw Terry walking down the sidewalk. And he was saying, y'all come back down here. 
and they all went in that direction toward him. And that's really big because that means that Terry's the last person to see them, and he's also lying about that. Right, exactly. And it's a really, like, they kind of don't hit it home, but that's a really fucking big deal. And the lawyer, Damien's defense lawyer, says this evidence right here, this witness seeing them at 630, this is more powerful than the DNA evidence. Yeah, and then, like, no one can account for Terry Hobbs for two hours. Right. This is all very interesting right. to me. Exactly. My opinion is that this is all very interesting right. to me. <laughs> and then, of course, like, John Douglas is like, they didn't, like, go, they didn't knock on anyone's door. Like, nobody asked anyone in the neighborhood if they saw the boys or if they saw Terry or if they, like, no one was questioned. Yeah, and Natalie Mays' lawyer, which is officially her name, is, yes. like, saying to Terry Hobbs. I'm saying that you don't have an alibi witness for two to two and a half hours on the evening of the murders from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. I don't know. Does that concern you? No. I think the look on his face is like, am I caught? Is this it? Right. Like, are they? do I go from here to jail? Are you telling me that Natalie Means isn't going to pay me millions of dollars for emotional <laughs> distress? I don't. Because my plan was that I would sue her and then get deposed. And it's like he's putting the numbers and he's like, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah, oh, oh. Oh, I'm de- oh, depo- depose. That's what that means. <laughs> Got it. Like, he's putting it all together. But now, March 21st, 2011. On my birthday, this happens. Happy birthday Thank to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is a pretty good present. Yes. Given to you by John Douglas. I didn't know that John Douglas was buying in the business of buying you presents in 2011, but, but here, here we are. are. So David Jacoby calls Terry Hobbs and records it unbeknownst to Terry. Because that's my question. Like, he's obviously trying to get Terry Hobbs to say some shit, and I'm like, Terry Hobbs does not know he's being recorded, right? He does not know he's being recorded. <laughs> Had me a visitor today. John, what's John Douglas? John FBI. What do you say? bunch of discrepancies on where I said where we're at and where you say where we're at and it just I don't give a shit what them people got to say about where I was at and what time I was there we don't have to answer them people Terry girl, like there are discrepancies in our story, man. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. And you're Terry, saying one thing. I'm saying something different. Well, I don't know what to do. And John Douglas knows. Yes. Like John Douglas knows. And I don't know what to do. And I'm terrified. And Terry starts to feed David this information. Yeah. And the way he does it is like not that. My opinion is that it's not that of a grieving <laughs> stepfather. No. Can you imagine when Terry Hobbs saw this movie for the first time and realized this shit was recorded? I hope his stomach <laughs> fell out his butt. I hope. I hope he has not had a good. Good night's sleep yeah, since, since then. Totally. I hope he's. I hope Natalie Maines haunts him. Yes. I hope she's the one. The nightmare is knocking on the door, there being like, "There is a voice inside my head," and it's Natalie Maines. Totally. So Terry starts feeding David information, and he's like, "We rode around looking for three little boys. We got out and we did a little walking looking for three little boys. I went and picked my wife up at nine o'clock. Where did you ride around, Mister Hobbs, West Memphis? What? You was with me, David." Do you remember that? Without saying it, he's saying, like, this is the story we've come up with, David. You're not going to fuck me on this, are you? Don't Don't fuck fuck me on this, David Jacoby. (laughs) And he's like, I went and picked up my wife at 9 p.m. Oh, where'd you walk around, Mr. Hobbs? Oh, well, West Memphis. He's, like, doing an impression of the cop. Like, this should scare you. Exactly. (laughs) Like, this is scary. And David Jacoby is like, John Douglas is like, keep going. Keep it going, girl. Keep it going. And every, the pieces, just like Terry Hobbs realizing exactly what a deposition is and that he's not getting $6 million (laughs) from Natalie Maines, David Jacoby is like... Wait a second. <laughs> because Terry's saying things, you were with me, David. Yeah. You were with me. He's just repeating. I love the idea of Natalie Maines being like, he's not getting one cent of my <laughs> wide open spaces money. <laughs> not one cent. He shouldn't. No. Oh, my God. So we're back with John Douglas, who's just saying, like, I do not believe the homicide was, was planned. This person responsible for the murders lost control and 
had to kill him. And so we're back to that witness who like was going to church and saw them on the street at right. 630 because this is what they think happened that like remember Terry has a super short fuse and he has like a total anger problem. He beats these kids all the time and she says remember they were riding their bikes. They were being kids. He was telling them he was telling Steve to come inside. He was yelling at them. Like yelling he wasn't them. saying like alright everyone enough is enough. He was right. like being a dick and screaming at these kids. And he's the last person to see them. So like the implication is that the kids weren't listening to him and so he fucking flew into a rage and killed them. And like killed Stevie and then had to kill the other two. Exactly. And so on top of this, John Douglas is like, oh, he would Which also- I know that sounds crazy, but I fully fucking believe I it. I do too. Is my opinion. Is my, my opinion. My opinion Sarah, is that I believe that. My opinion <laughs> is that I believe it. And so John Douglas is like, oh, real quick. Yeah. So the killer would also be super muddy too because yes. of where they were. Because he like, the, the boys were found in a drainage ditch. So like whoever <sighs> the killer was had to like get into the water to put them there. Right. And so cut again, Amy Berg, this editing is I know. phenomenal. I know. Cut to a witness saying, I saw him cleaning. I saw him washing clothes. I saw him in Stevie's room. I mean, he had bleach and everything and was cleaning. And I had never seen Terry clean anything the whole time I'd known him. Let me tell you, Terry right. Hobbs never picked up a crumb in his fucking life. Exactly. Now he's doing laundry yes. willy-nilly with the bleach. Right. Oh, and Natalie yes. Maines wins the lawsuit, by the way. Right. And then Terry Hobbs <laughs> has to pay her legal fees. Is that right? Yeah, he had to pay like 18 grand for her legal fees. Oh my God, also, that is amazing. those lawyers are being severely underpaid. Totally. They're worth a million dollars. Well, I want to know that it was just one hour of work for them. It must have been. No, but if you look at the timestamps, uh-huh. he was there for a long time, like on the deposition. I bet these lawyers, the, the one that changed her name to I am Natalie Maines' lawyer, yeah. was like, I'll do this for free, Natalie. It, this is just fun. I don't care. Totally. I'll take like a vacation. This is going to be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's just roast this guy. Let's just eat this fucking guy for breakfast. I haven't had fun lately. I just, I want to, I want to have an afternoon where it's like, that's why I got into this. I'll do this for fucking free. Can I keep the deposition tape so if I'm feeling blue one of these days? Totally. It'll just cheer me up. I will pay you my own legal fees, Natalie Maines, okay? Thank you for this opportunity. Natalie Maines is like, what? <laughs> I know. Just get the guy. Can we get these guys out of prison totally. for fuck's sake? Jesus Christ. Uh, so now John Mark Byers is here to talk about how innocent they are. Oh, my God. Uh, how innocent the West Memphis Three are. Yes, how yeah. innocent the West Memphis Three are. And he thinks Terry Hobbs is a real killer. And he says, he was like, I. this is like a press conference in front of the court. Again, he will take any opportunity to make it about himself. And he says like, That day I believed what the state told me and it took quite a while of being blinded and when I finally got my answers none of the roads led to the three in prison all the roads and all the evidence lead to Terry Wayne Hobbs all the roads and all the evidence leads to Terry Hobbs. And then, like, as Terry Hobbs is walking into the courthouse, he's like, hey, There's the baby killer. Talk to him. There's the baby killer. Go talk to him. And then he's like, What? Freedom of speech. I'm like, Are you hammered? I I, it looks like he should be holding a tall boy, like a really gigantic beer. It was that very, like, John Wayne Bobbitt in that Lorena documentary oh where God. at, like, nine in the morning, he's, like, drinking out of a big gulp, but you know what's really in there. It's just vodka. Yeah, so drunk. Just a little bit of seltzer. Oh, not too much. Not too much. <laughs> That's too bit. much. It's, uh, now we got it. I'll just drink it. <laughs> So this process has been going on for fucking years. Like, absolute yeah. years. And, like, now they they kind of have one last shot at getting this DNA to actually be cared about. One thing that could happen is they could say, no, Judge Burnett was right. You lose. No new hearing, Damien. Sorry. Done. Uh, and then he literally is done in the Arkansas court. 
So Dennis, the lawyer, is fighting to prove that the DNA evidence is relevant because he's right. like, hey, everyone, science has changed. We have Lord of the Rings money. Things are different. <laughs> like we tested that. Like you should care about this, yes. Arkansas. Yeah. Like you should really care. And there's this guy, David, who's repping Arkansas. And he's like, um, he wants to bring 17 years worth of new information. Not on my watch. <laughs> Absolutely. Under no circumstances is Arkansas going to hear hear evidence, you say. And the judges are like, uh, mm, what's the harm, though? Right. Like, not just in this case, yeah. just like for the state in and just general. like for justice. Like, yeah. That seems interesting to me. Right. If there's like new science, maybe we should do this. Right. And we get like this word salad from David, this the, the guy who's repping Arkansas. Yeah. And so this gets kind of all over the place because we hear that. Like they're fighting for the evidence, right? right? Then we cut to Terry on the phone with David Jacoby again. Uh-huh. And Terry's like They don't like the death row thing. They're trying to get Damien Nichols off the of death row so they can put two new people in there. You know who them two new people is? Don't even say it. If they get Damien out of death row, you know who they're going to put there? And Jacoby, trembling like a leaf, don't say it. Don't say it. He's like the two of us. So why don't you keep saying what I'm telling you to say Uh and keep that pretty little mouth of yours talking (laughs) for me. So put a pin in all of that for a second because it's December 11th, 2011. Damien's birthday. Oh, that's right. Yes. And there had been a billboard put up in town, like looking for tips, right? And they get a call to the tip line and we meet the person who made this call. His name is Blake Sisk. He was witness number one. He's so cute. And his voice is so sexy. You love him. I, I knew you were going to love him. All these boys were about Cody, to meet. I love that. Ne- I love Cody Gott is here and he's another witness. And yeah. he, I love that they kept this in because he's like. My name's Cody Gott. Um, this is. Fine, you guys can use this for whatever you need to use it for. Have my permission. You can totally use this, whatever. Like, it's fine. Like, that's his permission. It's so funny. But they tell us this story. There's a third witness we don't meet. Because these three boys are friends of a guy named Michael Hobbs Jr., who is Terry Hobbs' nephew. So this guy, Michael, his dad is Terry Hobbs' brother. They're very close. And Terry spills a lot of his secrets to his brother. Right. So Blake, the one you your favorite one? Yeah, yeah. He overheard Terry and his brother talking about the murders. Yeah, like at like 12 or 13 years old, they're like, Michael and Blake are playing outside. They come in, they want to go downstairs to play pool, and the dad is like, no, me and my brother are downstairs talking, and Blake is like, but his dad hollered, you know, don't come down here, we're busy talking. So, me and Michael decided to listen in. Uh, Michael Hobbs Jr. told the witness that his dad was down there with his uncle, sounding like he might have been crying, saying, I'm sorry for what happened, and I regret it. I'm sorry for what happened, and I regret it. I don't know if he regrets it. <laughs> I know. My opinion. Right, exactly. And then this guy, Cody, the one who was like, you can use it. It's fine, whatever. Right. Let me, I just want to get the story <laughs> yeah. out. He says that this guy, Michael, the nephew, is kind of like running his mouth about how Uncle Terry killed those three kids. And it's like... You know, Michael, the friend, his dad, who's Terry Hobbs' brother, they refer to the fact that Terry murdered these kids as the Hobbs family secret. And son Michael is spilling the tea to all of his fucking friends, as you should. Let's Ugh. normalize when your relatives kill somebody and it's a family secret. Let's normalize telling everybody Sing you know. Sing like a goddamn canary. Sing it. Sing, Sing out, out, Louise. <laughs> Sing it. I know... I mean, again, there is no such thing as the mob. But I know this goes against the whole, like, you fucking rat Terry out in a heartbeat. (laughs) Terry, like, you, when someone brutally murders three eight-year-olds and then sends three other people to prison for it, you sing out. Yeah. These three boys sign these affidavits. They all have the same story. Mm -hmm. They all take polygraphs and they all pass. He fucking killed those kids. And yet, absolutely. It's my opinion. My opinion is that I agree with you based on the evidence. (laughs) Natalie, another thing we have? in common. <laughs> 
So on November 4th, 2010, guess what? The West Memphis Three win. Remember that whole where all the lawyers were arguing in front of the judges like the Arkansas Supreme Court? It was the last ditch effort. They win. Like they come down on the side of history. The judges are horrified. Yeah, they say like Burnett was totally wrong to not allow this new evidence. Yeah. It was unanimous. It's a really big deal. Uh-huh. And Lori is doing a press conference and she almost like it hits her in the moment how big this yes, is. Yes, yes, I had that same thought. The Supreme Court is has ruled in our favor. The the state Supreme Court is on our side. Finally, we won. We we won. It's so beautiful. Oh, I'm getting like, chills thinking she goes, about it. You know, we won. We oh my, we we, we won. We won. Like they listened to it. We like, won. I mean, she's been fighting for 20 years at this point. For years, like she picked up her whole life. Okay, yeah. it's just like it's. She cannot believe it. Finally, that leads to a new hearing. Yeah. And the state, of course, is just pushing that date back. And you hear it. You know, it's like first it was June, and then it was October, and then it was December. Like they're just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Mm-hmm. Where this all is heading is in August of 2011. The defense is saying, look, obviously we're going back to trial. Let's just skip the evidentiary part of all of this and let's go. Right to trial. We're ready. Are you guys ready? Save the taxpayers money, whatever. Somebody from the defense knows somebody in the DA's office. They go to lunch and the DA is like, well, that's a really big ask. Let me think about it for a second. Actually, much to our surprise, the discussions progress sort of away from the agree to the new trial idea to is there a way to reach a practical resolution of this case for everybody? Can you think of a way that we could avoid trial altogether and find a solution to this that would be beneficial to everybody? Enter Scott Ellington. (laughs) I still have his old phone number in my phone because he he was the prosecutor. He's the one where it's like, hey, Scott, we have this evidence. Hey, it's on a silver platter. Uh Hey, Peter Jackson spent all this money. Like, hey, can you test it? Can you care about it? Now we call Keith Crestman. So Scott's like, I got to be honest with you. Again, Amy, how did you get these people to say the things they say? Scott Ellington could have done so much. Ask Bob Ruff about this. We, yeah. we agree on Scott Ellington. It's our opinion or whatever. Um, and Scott's like, I didn't want a new trial because you'd lose. Right. But he's like. I mean, I don't underestimate our ability to have obtained convictions in these cases. But I wasn't looking forward to having to go to trial in this case because of the deterioration of evidence. We didn't want to show weakness in our in, in maintaining the judgment. I just want we really didn't want to appear weak. Right. And I'm like, you're are you seriously saying that to me right yeah. now? For me, the whole thing is this all comes down to money. I think everybody like on the state side knows they fucked up, they got busted, they got caught, these guys didn't do it. If they go to trial again, they're gonna lose. These guys are gonna get out and they're gonna sue for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so every time they're saying, Look, we know these guys actually did it, but we wanna figure out a way to like to get them out of jail, to get this off our plates, what they're really saying is we know these guys didn't do it. We just need to find a way to let them out without them being able to sue us. Enter the Alford plea. Exactly. So the Alford plea is this. You plead guilty, admitting that the state has enough evidence to convict you, but you can maintain your innocence. And the biggest point, you cannot sue the state. Right. Because technically you're still guilty. And also the state then does not have to reinvestigate the case because it's technically solved. And prosecutors rarely allow it. Yeah. And also judges don't have to accept it because they're saying that, like, if you're a a judge and you're like, how can you be pleading innocent and guilty at the same time? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And so it's presented to Damien, who is his health is completely failing. And also he's on death row. Right. So he can die in any number of ways. Yeah. He agrees right away. Jesse says yes right away. And now it comes down to Jason. Yeah. And he has veto power. And Jason is like, no. And Jason, I understand. Jason's like, I'm not entering 
entering a guilty plea for the rest of my like I didn't do it and remember Jason's been studying law while he's in prison and so like it's all over the news before they agree the rumor mill is insane everyone knows that something's about to happen but they don't know what it's chaos down here Tom (laughs) truly John Mark Byers is here making it about him God bless him this part is done very effectively but it's Mm -hmm. sort of being told to us as we're seeing all of them sort of like enter this courtroom when we don't kind of really know what's going to happen and it's not like you can text Jason right it's not like you can pick up the phone and necessarily call him totally because then we learn that back in the first trial little baby Jason he looks so teeny tiny because he was Jason secretly was offered two deals yeah Jason Baldwin is 16 years old he's been in jail for months and he's about to enter a trial where the prosecutors are going to ask for the death sentence he's offered two deals in secret if he would testify that Eccles had done the killing he tells the prosecutors no that would be a lie my mother raised me better than that. Jesse, Miss Kelly was offered a similar situation and he also wouldn't do it. Like, these kids were railroaded, but they also had the presence of mind to, like, say fucking no, right. you know? So they're they're walking into the court and this guy, Judge David Laser, is here and he is accepting these, you know, they're entering their pleas. Watching them enter their pleas was when I started to cry. And also, Jesse Miss Kelly has a fucking head tattoo, yep. which I was like, well, that's bananas. Of a clock. Is that, oh, it's is that what that is? Yeah. And, and there are no hands on the clock. Oh. So it's it's not my style. No. <laughs> but it's basically his version of quoting rent. Right. <laughs> so they what they say is, they all say it in different ways, but every single person ends up saying the term, this is in my best interest. Yeah. Your Honor, I am innocent of these charges, but I'm entering an Alfred guilty plea today based on the advice of my counsel and my understanding that it's in my best interest This judge is currently still handling the case. So when they filed that motion about the evidence, this judge is going to hear everything that they're saying. And I'm stressing that because he says some really amazing things here that he absolutely did not have to say. Yeah. And he basically essentially says like, I don't think it'll make the pain go away to the victim families. I don't think it will take away a minute of the... uh, 18 uh, years that uh, these three young men served in the Arkansas Department of Corrections. What I've just described is tragedy on all sides. But him saying that, a tragedy on all sides, he's acknowledging that Arkansas fucked up and no one has really done that. Yeah, which means, you know, and we'll get more into this in in the interview with Damien, but like what has been going down in this case now, the fact that this judge is going to hear it could make a really big difference in perhaps vacating their conviction, their ability to sue the state. Like there's a lot that's happening right now. You want to listen to that episode? Yeah. And so this is all happening like in real time because no one is real. Like the Alfred plea is sort of introduced and then we're trying to get to Jason. And so the news is happening. Yeah. And there is now a crowd forming around the courthouse. So what happens is they enter their Alfred pleas. The judge says all this beautiful stuff and they walk out. (laughs) Remember the first time when they walked out of that same courthouse and the crowd was jeering and was wanted to throw rocks at them. It was booing out out for blood. Now it's surrounded by supporters and advocates who are all, like, cheering their release. Yeah, and it's like Damien has the biggest smile on his face, as does Lori, and Lori cannot take her eyes off of him. Yeah. And he's walking, and he's in a suit, and he's, like, waving to everyone, and he... It's, like, such a release to watch it. Yeah. No pun intended, but it's also so sad that, like you were saying, like, we needed Lord of the Rings money for this. Like, this shouldn't have happened. This isn't a thing that can happen for just anybody. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, the only thing more horrifying than that is that when we cut back to Jason, he's having his first meal outside of prison, and it's a salad. It's a Caesar salad. I can't decide what is more disappointing. 
complaining. There, and then this is the thing that, like, there's a knock at the door. Mom! <laughs> I still feel like it's a dream. I just talked to you Monday, and you didn't tell me nothing. I wanted to. Free man. The way he says mom, he's 16. Uh-huh. And and we we saw her earlier in the documentary back in the day being like, my son is innocent. Like, we've seen her before. Right. And just the way he jumps up and says mom, it's like, if you don't react to that, you have no soul. It's <laughs> not just my opinion. That's a fact. It's it's incredible to see them all out in the world for the first time. Like, And that we have cameras on it. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, the, you know, he's hugging. He's like, oh, I just love you so much. And then we get to, we see Jesse and Jesse's home. Yeah. And he's like, every time I turn around, someone wants to talk to me. I like, know. for like five hours. It's, it's so sweet and he you know he says I'm so used to guards being around and I keep having to remind myself like is this real is this yeah. really happening it's such a blessing and like you've never seen smiles like this in your life totally. not just on the men who are out but like people who maybe never truly thought that they'd ever see them again yes just they're like when are you gonna come over you have to yeah. come over and say yeah. hi yeah, and yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, yeah. okay like <laughs> sure it's just like really amazing and then we're with Damien and Lori in New York City two weeks after they get out. And they're like shopping at a Halloween store. It's just like Damien immediately goes to his like happy place. Yeah, and we I've been to that hall. We've like each bought Halloween costumes at that store with him. And yeah. they're having an early Halloween party. And he's like, What do you think of this fake spotter web stuff? And Lori's like, I love it. Like she loves everything he loves. And they'll have this fake the fake spider stuff. Yeah. And Damien says, like, And I think in some ways maybe it's a little harder for Lori than it is for me because I've never had a really solid foundation in my life. When I was young, we were constantly on the move, constantly on the go. We never had a place that we called home for long periods of time. Well, and for Damien, this is something I'm, I'm interested to ask him about in the right way. Like, he is famous. Like, he yeah. comes out of jail and he's like an instant celebrity. Yeah, and he's at, they're buying like incense and candles and like Lori's taking a picture of him with the person who works behind the counter yeah. at the candle store. Yeah. And, you know, they just get to, like Damien goes on about how they just get to exist. And for so long, it was three hours a week where you'd be rushing and rushing and rushing and trying to like wring every last moment out of yeah. it. And now this is where, we, Mike and I talked about this on our after party. Eddie Vedder's song Satellite starts to play. Uh-huh. And you're just like, well, I don't know if I have any tears left, Amy. I mean, you're testing me right. now. I'll see if I have the tears. <laughs> and Lori starts talking about their letters. And I remember when they were picking the letters for that book. Uh-huh. And Lori was like. They, they put out a book of their letters to each other. It's called Yours for Eternity. Yeah. Because, yeah. And so I remember Lori saying like, I don't know if I want to put all. Th- There's some sexy letters in there. Yeah, That's course. how, you know, they learned to, they got to know each other and they were in love and very attracted. To, like, yeah, you write sexy yeah. letters. Yeah. It's pretty hot. So Lori was like, I don't know if I want to put like all the sexy letters in. I'm like, you put in as many letters as you feel comfortable with. Lori yes. Davis you've yeah, earned it totally. but she talks about like we thought about maybe burning them and she decides to like read a little bit of one and this is like so it's it was wild watching her but she says she's reading this like beautiful letter that Damien wrote to her and she gets to a point where she's like oh uh, like she knows that what she's gonna say is gonna make her a little embarrassed uh-huh, or just uh-huh, like because uh-huh. it is like nauseatingly sweet because yeah. Damien's like you know you give me the strength to face anything but I also know that not everyone is like you if they were, then <laughs> if they were, then everyone would be in love. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I love the way Master and Margarita ends. The way they get to spend eternity together, alone, that they are granted peace. 
if if that were true, then everyone would be in love. And Laurie goes, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and like Damien picks up the voiceover and the music swells. I have a great story about this Eddie Vedder song, by the way. Oh, yeah. I told it on the after party. It's like Eddie wrote it for him. You know, don't you worry. I believe your story. You were put away for something you didn't do. It's like amazing. But at the end of that track, I put it in the after party. But if you're not at the 20, I'll tell it here. <laughs> um, at the end of that track, like the minute he stops, the phone rings. Where it's like he ends it. And, you know, you just sort of like hold for yeah. a minute before you start. You stop recording for yeah. a song. And the phone rings like the minute he stops playing. <laughs> And it's, the track is still recording. And he kind of laughs like, huh, like what timing? Like uh-huh. you, didn't, you didn't interrupt my song. And he kept in him answering because like fun fact, it was Lori on the phone with like gigantic good news about the case. Oh my God. So he kept it in the track. The song was for them. He wrote it for them. And if you listen to it, you hear him. Hello? And it's Lori on the oh other end God. of the phone. Um, yeah. So then it just ends with just saying like, thank you everyone for giving a shit and writing letters and making phone calls because that's how this stuff happens, you know? You guys, we did it. We did West of Memphis. Girl, it's been years. It's been fucking years been of requests years. for this. How I, are you feeling? I'm feeling uh, a lot of things about it. I'm feeling a lot of things about yeah. it. I'm glad we did it. I hope you had a nice time with I me did. today. I did. I mean, this documentary is perfect. It's such a great documentary. I mean, really, it, this documentary really is perfect. You guys, check out our interview with Damien Eccles right now. It's so interesting. There's so We ask him so many good questions. I'm, yeah, he's... He's the best. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you got to spend a little time with him. <laughs> me too. <laughs> also, join us on the Patreon, you guys. If you're looking for more Jillian and me, over 220 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. Yeah, download and binge. Download and binge. Or download a bitch. Or whatever download you want. a bitch. Whatever you think. I don't know you why have. I'm correcting people. <laughs> I like download a bitch, so I'm going to go with it. Totally. Uh, yeah, we're talking like Heaven's Gate and the Jinx and Night Stalker, The Vow, Don't F with Cats. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Tiger King. It's all there. It's all what there. are we doing next? We are doing monster preacher what i don't know what that is this it's a story of a horrible person but more importantly the badass survivors that we were like with the badass survivors telling this truly horrifying traumatic story just don't be in a car don't be be, don't be operating heavy machinery (laughs) we love you guys we love you thank you so much yeah stay tuned for the trailer for that and then our hilarious outtakes oh yeah we'll have info in the show notes about who you can call and just request some information yeah let's get some shit done if we learn nothing else today you guys all right honestly or i'll sick Natalie Maines on you. Totally. <laughs> we love you guys. Bye. Bye. He preyed on people who could not fight back. His idea was to kidnap women and create this harem of sexual slaves. Gary Heineck put me in that basement. I screamed and screamed. Is he just bringing me here to bury me alive? What did I do to deserve to be tortured and raped? He was trying to get these girls pregnant. He wanted to raise a perfect race. And then I realized he was upstairs burning Sandy, cooking her so he could dismember her body. But it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. Because I ate her. I made up my mind I was going to make every effort possible to be able to get out of there. He would actually have church services on the first floor of his house while girls were in his basement chained together. She has kids and her kids live with Pam. Oh. (laughs) Sorry, Matt. I, I just like... 
I, I don't know what happened. I was not talking to my computer. I, you weren't even gesturing wildly. It was just like, it felt like your computer and that light was going to come at <laughs> That's a good outtake. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she's like, it. I have to say, hearing this, it makes me want to be nicer to you. Yeah. Like, Lori has ever said a mean thing right. to anybody in her life. And I'm like, why do you give yourself first place again, right. sweetheart? And I love you to death. But, like, what? how mean is she being to him? I know. I know. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And he's like, there's cheese on the salad. Right. And Holly's like, have you not had cheese? Which is a totally valid question. Yes. It's yeah. not a stupid question. Totally. And he's like, but not on salad. Like, I guess I'll have some of it. And at one point, he just goes, I'm done with the salad. Right. And Holly goes, let's move on to whatever the sandwich is. We boys who don't care so much about our appearance aren't doing like a, a, like a quick change. Costume change? No, we're not doing that to like imp- to impress our significant others. Are you guys going to get tired of that? Because we just don't want to get sued. Sue me, Tony. We should just call this podcast. This podcast is just our opinion. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs>